Welcome to Nourish by Spinneys, the podcast which promises to inspire you to eat well and live well. I'm Tiffany Eslick. And I'm Devina Devecha. Welcome to a space where we hope to nourish your heart and soul. On this show, we chat with leading players in the food community, from farmers to foodies, as well as health and well-being experts. It's all about engaging conversations and fresh ideas. Today, we're chatting with Yazan Al-Kodmani of Emirates Biofarm, a pioneering organic producer in the UAE. He's also one of our Valued Farmers Club members, growing a bounty of fresh veg for spinneys, such as cucumbers, radish, sweet corn, aubergines, marrows, and more. Actually, for anyone who's been to Spinney's Im Sakim, you might have seen a huge in-store billboard with him standing in his cornfields. I have not seen this picture at all, and I want to know why it's not at my branch at Trade Center. That is a very good question, and I will get right on to that. Um, you know, we had such fun with that photo shoot. We were on his farm at sunrise, making him bob up and down in the cornfields for a boomerang, <laughs> and he's never quite let me forget that. Um, I think we need to get that onto Instagram ASAP. Amazing. I cannot wait to see that. You know, his passion for what he does is infectious. Whenever I've met with him or visit his farm, which really is this lush oasis in the middle of the desert, I come away wanting to immediately start growing things. And have you managed to grow any vegetables? Well, I mean, not yet, but I'm working <laughs> on it. Um, if local produce is what you're after, Yazin tells me all about what grows in the UAE across the year. And you'll find out when you should shop exclusively local. But more on that in a bit. What he's doing is really inspiring. He's focusing on growing for flavor and keeping things sustainable, not just in terms of organic, but also retaining the quality of the soil. Okay, so let's start out with how Emirates Biofarm was started by Yazan's father soon after the UAE was formed. In the early um, uh, years of the for formation of the UAE, there was an agenda of establishing agriculture by the founding father, the late Sheikh Zayed Al Nahyan. My father came from Syria as an agriculture engineer and has worked in the UAE in agriculture for the past, you know, almost five decades now, um, establishing organic uh, fertilizers, uh, greenhouse buildings, irrigation systems, and so on. And me and my brother, my brother also works in agriculture. I work in agriculture. Um, I joined the Mertz Biofarm, which was launched in 2017. Um, and I kind of gained the name for myself uh, because we established agritourism, education programs, and kind of uh, tried to put ourselves out there to to teach people about organic farming. And do you think it's your background and having a father who was involved in agriculture that makes you care? Because you really do care. And Well, yes. Yeah, we think a bit, I think, more long-term, and that's what you need in agriculture. Everything, you know, you... It's a very long-term business in terms of returns and, and um, it's long-term effects on the environment and your health. Uh, so for somebody to care, I think the, the, the major effect was the sustainability in the, uh, from the founding father of, of this country. Environmental protection was a huge thing. And also my father carried that same message. So that's kind of what, what, what makes me passionate, not just about the food production, but about the sustainability aspect of it. And is he still involved in the farm, your dad? Yes, he is um, the managing partner of the farm. He is the overall visionary. Um, and of course, yeah, he's he, he he's out there once uh, or twice a month. Great. Yeah. Can you describe the farm to us, like where it is, um, I don't know, your favorite part on the farm? Yeah. So funny enough, it's uh, kind of uh, inland, 100 kilometers about from, from uh, the coast here. 
uh, an area called Al Shuwaib, uh, which is between Al Ain and Dubai. It, it's in Abu Dhabi as an emirate, and we're like 10 minutes from Sharjah, 10 minutes from the border to Oman. So it's that uh, region uh, inland, but uh, as close as possible to the coast. So we, we selected that because of a few reasons. There's uh, fresh water in the aquifers there. Um, the soil would be called sweet sand. So it's the red desert dunes that that you can imagine in, in, when you think of the desert. Um, and then uh, it's dry weather, so you don't have the humidity, which helps actually in, in agriculture for us. Um, so yeah, uh, that's where the farm is located. We do open field agriculture. We do greenhouses and shade houses. So it depends on the type of crop. It depends on the season. Um, we're trying to maximize you know, production um, at the lowest kind of uh, use of water and energy. And uh, yeah, when you come out there, it's kind of uh, it's kind of this big contrast between greenery and fields and this these desert dunes right behind it. You, you mentioned the seasons. Can you? How does it work here? Like when when do you start planting? When yeah. can you harvest? What should we and shouldn't expect? Like in the different seasons. So yeah. How do we know if it's really local? Um, yeah. Can you tell me about that? Uh, so here in the UAE, we have the farming season. Usually, is now from November. Up to April, that's usually the standard, you know, mild weather, sunlight, steady uh, environment and climate. Um, and that's that's when most of the production you see. So all kinds of vegetables up to, you know, everything, uh, maybe 50 plus items. So you're talking about all the main stuff, cucumbers, tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, and then the open field stuff like onions, potatoes, carrots, beetroots, um, okra, and then... Uh, uh, some leafies, so lettuces and herbs, uh, parsley, coriander, and all that. So usually when you talk about organic, it's soil-based agriculture. So then you have to follow these seasons. With the high-tech guys, um, the guys doing you know the closed environment stuff with the LED lights, with the climate control, they are that as one of their selling points that we can do it uh, around the 12 months. So that is, you know, the main selling point, but they are limited with the number of items they can grow. So then you're getting lettuces from them, you're getting herbs, so you can continue to see lettuces all throughout the year in the UAE now, thanks to the, the hydroponic systems. And you can see some tomatoes um, from some large farms as well, cherry tomatoes and stuff. But the open field stuff like carrots, onions, you know, there's seasonality really um, in these crops. And organic is mostly gonna it's is soil based, so it's mostly gonna follow this seasonality. So on our website on Emirates Biofarm, we have EBF Academy, and it has a full calendar. But just to give you kind of what we do at the farm, uh, we start planting in August when it's really, really, really warm. But <laughs> yeah, mo most things would take up to three months. So we start planting the hardy summer type stuff like eggplants. Uh, surprisingly, melons are a summer crop, so watermelons, sweet melons, and so on. And okra, these are all summer. We start harvesting, you're talking about October, November, so that's when the season picks up. Uh, cucumbers are throughout the year in greenhouses, that's not an issue. Tomatoes stop from June, July to October, November. So yeah, tomatoes in August and September is, is kind of very difficult, uh, organic. Uh, yeah, and then December's Jan is when you get everything. Everything's available locally. You should be shopping local, I think, in that time period. Vegetables, you can get the freshest uh, uh, produce.
Yeah. That's probably the time you're not sleeping because you're harvesting around the clock, right? Yes. Yeah. Surprisingly, you know, that's the easier time for us because, you know, harvest. Uh, you're stressed at the beginning. So we're buying the seeds, preparing the land, um, preparing our plan in July in the middle of the heat. So June, July, we kind of are quiet, but we're preparing as, as a business. August is really busy. We are planting and August, September, October, we're continuously planting and we're worried about the success of the crops and the success of the seeds and everything. But if we've done our job right, then we can have a really nice December and Jan. The weather is nice. We're harvesting. People are happy. It's a good time then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I know you've got like the highest um, sort of organic certifications. Yeah. yeah. What's that journey been like? So organic, most people know the, the pesticide-free aspect that you cannot have uh, synthetic pesticides and then you cannot have synthetic uh, uh, chemical fertilizers, uh, herbicides. All of these are banned. But the part that they might not know about is, of course, um, there's so many requirements when it comes to like uh, the environment protection, uh, animal health care, if you're doing like eggs, um, welfare. So then you have to have free range, cage free, all of these things, antibiotics. And the biggest cost, like let's say in animal production, we do organic eggs, is the feed. The feed has to be organic. So then it has to come to a farm like mine. Um, that doesn't use these things. So people understand that general concept, but what's the purpose of the tour? Is to show you the how. Okay, why does somebody else use chemicals and you are able without? Um, and that's kind of, then we go into the topics of, I cannot be a single crop farmer. If I do one crop in my entire farm, there's no way I can control the insects they have. Um, so that then we go into, okay, I have to have a, a large multitude of crops and I can't grow them in one each crop in one field I divide them so that if I have a problem in one area hopefully it's localized and it's all about keeping the pest populations down not giving them one area where they're very happy so after I harvest I harvest my corn let's say I'll plant a completely different crop so that whatever insects or or, or pests that are happy there they're not going to get the same environment again and then having trees all around the farm uh, using natural protection methods. So neem oils, sometimes chili is used, uh, soaps are used um, on the crops themselves. And uh, mechanical protection. So having covering, netting. So keeping the birds around. One thing about farmers, they uh, conventional farmers, they might remove all the trees and work hard to keep birds away. We have a large multitude of trees and you come out and you see so much birds and biodiversity going on. Well, they are very helpful. Um, I know they damage some crops, but they are also eating insects, caterpillars, worms, and, and so on. Uh, so having them is beneficial, but it's all about like keeping, I don't want the birds to go out of control. So it's all about keeping a balance where you are growing within nature, trying to keep that uh, ecosystem going where everything's there, beneficial pests, bad pests, birds, but everything's in a balance where you're able to produce food. It must have been like trial and error, right? Getting to this balance. Yes, it takes time. Uh, soil building takes time. So you start with sand, especially here. This is one of our big challenges, soil and water, water use. Uh, the more you build soil, hopefully the then it retains better uh, moisture. Um, yeah, so you see that oh, year over year, you're trying to keep adding 
the trees, different types of trees. So most of the trees on the farm are, uh, we have uh, moringa, a lot of moringa. Uh, we have a lot of neem. And those are like my two favorites. But then also we have to throw in there some cedar, which is um, uh, a native tree to this region. And then you can do the stuff that you want to be productive in. So pomegranates and and uh, lemons and and all the figs. We have fig trees as oh, well. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I need to come and get some fig leaves. Yes. I like to <laughs> infuse a sorbet with fig leaves. So. Yeah. When we come back, I talk to Yazan about why he spends so much time working on education programs and agriculture tourism at the farm. That's right after this short break. Davina, let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite things, cheese. Do you have a favorite kind of cheese though, or is that too hard a question? Absolutely. I'm not even going down that road. Um, but I know the cheese I want to talk about right now, and that's Parmigiano-Reggiano. I was in Italy earlier this year and found myself surrounded by wheels of them stacked into towers, almost like a skyline. This is at our supplier Zanetti, which is now in its fourth generation, having started in 1900 by Guido Zanetti. His great-grandson Paolo Zanetti gave me a fantastic tour. Most importantly, did you get to try both the Parmigiano-Reggiano and the Grana Padano? Yes, absolutely. I tried various wheels of cheese of different ages, and Paolo really went into detail about like which cheese goes with which dish that you're trying to serve. For a big occasion, like uh, together with uh, very good Italian uh, red wine or uh, you know, champagne, it's good to have a very well mature Parmigiano Reggiano, like a three years old Parmigiano Reggiano. If you want uh, a product to be created on pasta, uh, like 60 months old, uh, uh, Grana Padano is very good. And uh, as a table cheese or as an appetizer cheese or as a piece of cheese, I used to have a Parmigiano Reggiano, well mature Parmigiano Reggiano, like three years old Parmigiano Reggiano. So the next time you're serving something special for your friends or family, or just indulging in a slice of pizza or leftover pasta for breakfast, grate some of our Spinney's food Parmigiano Reggiano or Grana Padano today. Welcome back. This is Nourished by Spinney's. I'm Tiffany Eslick, and you're listening to my conversation with Yazan al of Emirates Biofarm. I know you work with heirloom seeds. So yeah. where are you getting those from and, yeah. and why are you passionate about that? So some people have taken it uh, to, to kind of collect so much heirloom seeds. Uh, one famous company in the U.S. is called Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds. Um, so what's interesting is sometimes you get the heirloom from the Middle East that went to Baker Creek and then they reproduce and, and we can get them back here. Um, heirloom just means it's not a scientific term. It just means it's been handed down. It's one of those seeds that has been used in farming, handed down. It's not from the seed companies. Um, and usually, unfortunately, in our region, due to conflicts uh, and wars, we had seed banks that existed for hundreds, and in the cases of Iraq and Syria, probably thousands of years. And some of those were under attack in Lebanon as well. So Iraq, Lebanon, Syria. So some scientists even had to smuggle them out in suitcases. Ultimately, anyways, there, there are so many people that are working to preserve this culture. So we try and always uh, get as many heirloom seeds as we can. They come in as gifts. They come in from companies like Baker Creek. And then I'm always trying them out. But it's such a long trial. So let's say I try 100 seeds, maybe 10 work. And then out of the 10, are they productive per square meter? Are they heat resistant? 
does the market want them? And then if a tomato plant grows half as much as an as a seed that I'm buying from a seed distributor, then that means I need to sell it at double the price. Is anyone willing to sell it at double the price? Unfortunately, we see sometimes that uh, you see it with bananas. So it's one type of banana, Cavendish, right? You see it. And now we're moving towards that with cucumbers and tomatoes and stuff. But that means we lose the other varieties. Um, so we try and keep that alive and going as much as possible. Yeah. And then collecting for heat tolerance and productivity and all these things. So out of these few years, maybe I have two or three that are my favorite. <laughs> well, I mean, well done for sticking at it. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the tourism aspect um, and our partners help us be able to do that yes. because then I can use it in my restaurant. I can use it um, for people to shop. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, I can do that trial. But I guess a farmer that's selling commercial, it's very difficult for him to, to use that space. Absolutely. Have you looked into edible plants, like native plants from this region? Is that something that you would want to explore yeah uh it's uh, it's a very cool topic i would advise anyone to visit uh, jamil arts center they did a whole uh, uh exhibition called desert is a forest and as the name suggests it's trying to say okay there's an abundance of these plants of course it doesn't look it looks bare but there's an abundance of these plants that have medicinal that could be edible so then they listed all the edible ones and what they look like and the names and in the farm today i have a few of those hmm. and i have them in the visitor center now so people can take a look and and see and of course it's going to start being used in in the restaurant so talking about the visitor center yeah. you run school tours yeah. farm tours yeah. um, obviously in the season can you talk a bit more about that? I know you have a restaurant. You even had an organic festival, the UNES yeah. first organic festival. Yeah. Um, yeah, what are you doing and why do you think education is so important? I kind of stumbled upon that. So we set up our e-commerce. We put pictures of the farm and people would comment, what country is this? Where is this? <laughs> um, can I come out? So then I established, you know, the first open farm day and it was on my day off. It was, a, you know, Friday, free. Mm -hmm. Just, I thought, you know, 20, 30 people would be interested in this. And we had like a hundred plus people come to the farm and, and it was a mess, obviously. <laughs> uh, I didn't have food for them. I didn't have, you know, any anything. So then uh, I set up something a bit nicer and did another open farm day. And then it became weekly. And then it became two times a week. And then before COVID, we opened fully. So you can just show up at the farm. And it, any day of the week except uh, Mondays. So one day off for us. Um, and you can walk in. You uh, buy a ticket to take a tour. There's tours hourly where you get on a tractor, you go onto the fields, you get down, you get a 10-minute education on what we do. And the benefits of this, what I found is so many people have that, as I said, they just think, okay, organic means this, or organic is expensive. But if they come out, they kind of understand, okay, what's going on and what it means. Um, and also there's another thing like touching soil and being out in this kind of not manicured, not landscape, you know? You find people five years haven't like put their hand in any kind of soil or, or interacted with, with nature in such a way that they they discover that they're missing this and they really enjoy their visit. And then the restaurant is vegetarian. It just serves what we grow. Um, so it has eggs because we have eggs and then vegetables. Um, and people get to experience some some food. Uh, also, when we do the events, it's 
you know, a full brunch that's vegetarian for a lot of people that that, that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're always very happy. Yeah. So, so we developed a name for ourselves and we did Organic Fest, mm -hmm. which was the last one was 2020, pre-COVID, Feb. Um, and we, three days, live music, talks, spinnies participated, um, and so many organic brands participated. And it's just about supporting the industry, uh, educating people, and having fun uh, with the kids. Do you think there'll be another one coming yes. up next year? Yay! Yes. <laughs> okay. February this year, Organic Fest will be back. Okay. Um, I'm very excited about it. Excellent. Yeah. We've often spoken about um, Babylon Stern in South Africa, which is like a working farm. And you were just at Dan Barber's place in the States, yes. Blue Hillstone Barns. So why do you, what do you look to, you know, what are you looking at from those people and what, how they're inspiring you? Is it something that you want to take from there and bring to your setup? Yeah, I feel, you know, organic uh, maybe is, is, is quite young. So uh, a scientist from the US, I, I forget the name now, visited India the us or england and the mission was to to educate them on agriculture but he came back learning more from india than than he took he found that there's a lot to learn there and it kind of opened his eyes that maybe i'm doing you know i need to change the way i'm doing things and he came back and he established the first tenants of organic agriculture which are born out of india neem is native to india um, and it's big in organic agriculture. So he came back and from there, it kind of slowly formed as small farms that believe in, okay, I want to, I want to farm without, with the least amount of environmental damage as possible. And I want to protect my land and so on. And that kind of grew till the first USDA organic certification was born in like 2002, I think. Mm -hmm. So this is young. The certifications are young. Yeah. Um, you're talking about nineties, two thousands. That's it as a controlled, certified, standardized system. So I feel there's still a lot to learn. I'm in the desert. I'm doing it a bit different than, let's say, India or the US. So I want to learn what they are doing, and I want to contribute myself. Um, and that's why we continue to trial. Uh, I don't have moisture. I have sand. There's nothing to regenerate if I don't. <laughs> so I'm generating soil, is what I call it. And how do I do that? So they want to. They want to, for example, they don't want to till. They don't want to disrupt, disrupt the soil. But I have nothing I have to add back. So I till in organic matter in the form of compost, in the form of green mulching. Um, they do cover crops to protect in their off-season. For me, it's a calculation between water use in the summer. So do I cover my soil, but it's summertime and it's not productive? So it's like establishing how can organic be done and regenerative be done in my in the desert in what i'm doing and having these dialogues with all these people um is is very beneficial so we can discuss yeah and you are using about one quarter of your land right yes. so what have you got planned what's your dream <laughs> <laughs> so when we launched 2017 every year on year we kind of doubled in size and 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 we kept going and like i said kept introducing new things and but covid kind of put put a damp into that and now we just want to get back into our, our plans that we've had. Um, we love the aspect of the community and the tourism. It helps us um, educate people, but also get our brand out there, get the support we need. Um, and also one of the key things is reduce our waste, actually. So any odd-shaped vegetables go into juices, go into the restaurant, go into pickling, and people uh, are very appreciative of this. Um, so we want to expand on that. Maybe hospital, like you know, 
and and a lodge an eco lodge where people can come out and stay uh we want to expand our farmland but uh trial quinoa millets some very nutritious uh grains mm-hmm. that's one of the challenges of the uae um so yeah just expand on what we're doing we're doing a lot of research fields now i have a team member that's dedicated now for r d which i'm very happy about uh so we're trying all these different things and and hopefully we have a successful season now that we're out of covid and and we see how things go what nourishes your soul what nourishes my soul this is yeah usually to be honest just being when people are happy with what we do mm-hmm. so to be honest even whenever anybody's joining our team i tell them you know one of the benefits of this job is you're working in something that makes people genuinely happy they're happy with the food when they're shopping when they're buying the the, the product they're happy when they come out they're happy when they see their kids interacting with the vegetables so it brings a lot of satisfaction and it, and it makes it you know it's it's very it's very satisfying in terms of a, uh of a job yeah 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 oh, great well thanks Yazan thank you uh, so much yeah it was a really wholesome chat I just want to get out to the farm and get my hands yeah in the dirt so you'll see me soon yes yeah look forward to it <laughs> cool thank you <laughs> thank you so much So, you know, it was really nice to hear the way he talked about putting, you know, your hands in the soil and really connecting with nature. But I'm personally not sold because it's not something I think I could do, like put my hands in soil or sand. I mean, I've always wanted to live in a like a hermetically sealed apartment. <laughs> so... <laughs> of doing that interesting i want to hear more about this uh hermetically sealed apartment sometime <laughs> like i get I, i'm also like quite monica-esque like with the whole cleaning situation like i've, I've become my mother <laughs> i'm just like oh no <laughs> now like cleaning like so a you crazy would never person. like walk barefoot on the grass i can if i have to <laughs> oh my god would you ever like squelch in mud that uh like a uh, beach yes beach is okay, okay. beach is fine yeah. yeah beach i'm okay yeah, yeah yeah that's fine how odd and also but you know your thing um honestly when i hear that it just makes me want to jump in the car and drive out to the farm um yeah you know the new season is here i want to get planting but um hmm, interesting now i can't forget about this hermetically <laughs> sealed apartment This episode was brought to you by Spinnies and is hosted by me, Tiffany Eslick and Davina Davicha. We're produced by Chirag Desai with artwork done by Michelle Clements and Jihan Youssef. You can follow Spinnies on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok for more. And visit us at spinnies.com where you can shop for fresh produce and a variety of local and exclusive products. Yes, and we have one more episode lined up before the festive season begins, which will be out next week, actually. So see you then. All right, I need water now. How is water going to help you say his name I don't right? Know. <laughs> All right. Stop laughing to me.